Welcome back to the show, and Merry Christmas to everybody. Jason, Merry Christmas to you. Back at you, big fella. How's things in the South today? Absolutely fantastic. I can't complain at all. We are uh, hunkered down and enjoying uh, staying in the house and not going outside too much. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it's been a great day. It's starting to snow a little bit, so a little bit of a white Christmas. So it's kind of nice. Yeah, me too, got out. We did all our visiting, just came back from eating the big dinner, so I am uh, as rotund as ever. <laughs> yeah, that's always the great part of this time of year, isn't it? I have enjoyed feasting to its maximum potential. Right on. Well, we, uh, you know, I guess we might as well do our kind of year-end wrap-up here for the, the old podcasteroo. Um, so just to give some, I guess we'll start off, let's start off with some numbers because who doesn't like doing some, hearing some statistics right away, right at the start. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know it's very exciting. We had this year, our goal was to publish once a, once a week and, uh, officially on iTunes, we put out 50 episodes. We did do a couple episodes that were for patron members only. So I didn't include those in the count. So we did put out 50 episodes, so we missed two weeks, but that's basically the first two weeks of January is where we missed it. Um, so that was good, and obviously I think we're moving into the new year in 2019 looking at continuing with the weekly program. But um, we had seven guests, we had six different group chat sessions uh, that we recorded, and we were downloaded in 24 different countries. Isn't that cool? Kind of crazy, 24 different countries. Who knew? Well, it is kind of weird. Internet. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of weird what people might find interesting because we had some downloads in like South Africa and stuff. And we actually had multiple downloads in Puerto Rico and Jamaica. So I'm not sure who's on vacation listening to our podcast, but thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, if you want to listen to us bearded crazy fellas at the beach, good on ya. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So that was pretty cool. Um, so I thought we'd kind of go over maybe the guests. We'll start with the guests. We had, uh, we covered a lot of topics with some guests here. We talked to, uh, Kathy LaGrange, who we talked to about 60 Scoop stuff, uh, Corianne Pruden, who we talked to about, uh, some of the, this was before the Métis Nation of Alberta elections. So, um, this was about kind of some of the, I guess, shit that's going on in, uh, Northeastern Alberta, uh, region one, I think it is. And then uh, we talked to Graham Andrews, who runs Lee Nouvelle. We talked to Joe Yuri, who runs Jasper Tour Company. Fiona Clement, who uh, was involved in Alberta's rollout of, you know, cannabis legalization. We talked to Rod Stagg about some of the elections stuff and the M&A election stuff. And we also talked to Heather Morjo about sustainable, uh, you know, gardening and yard work. And, and she has a company called Foodscape. So... Kind of a very diverse topic range. Yeah, it was kind of nice that uh, you were able to get uh, a lot of those interviews from all, all you know, different perspectives on, on, on a wide range of topics this year, and that was really kind of cool. Kind of a breakout thing. Yeah, it was kind of cool. And, uh, you know, I think we, we're, we're hoping to always have more guests on because... I don't know about you, Jason. I think it's kind of more interesting sometimes to have uh, guests on because I think they have more interesting things to say sometimes. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so hopefully in 2019 we'll see even more guests. Yeah, for sure. I'm really looking forward to it, you know, building some positivity and by all means. Um, I think there's a lot more people who need to be heard than just me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think it's the the thing I like about guests is you can get them one, once they're on and they kind of start to loosen up a little bit. Um, they really open up about you know some different things and different aspects of of Métis people out there on living in this world. And it, it, a lot of times there may be stories that you don't even hear normally. So I, that's what I really like about having guests on is just hearing everybody's stories. So I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And who doesn't? I do. Yeah. It's one of the great opportunities of being able to do this podcast. Absolutely. And one of the things that um, that I've actually really liked doing, which I don't think you've had a chance to really do yet, Jason, but uh, is doing the like the group kind of conversations with a, with a lot of people. So we did, uh, I think we did what, six of those? Yeah, we did six group sessions. One was at an Indigenous book club, and the book was called Secret of the Stars by Gets Crazy Boy. Um, so we did that. We had a community conversation with, uh, 
you know, some First Nations and Métis and a Métis elder and just kind of talking about, uh, you know, colonization and things like that. So that was kind of cool. Uh, we were part of Making It Right, which was an event here in Calgary talking about decolonizing uh, Indigenous arts and things like that. Uh, I went up to Fort Mac and talked to the people up there about Moccasin Flats. And then the M&A Candidates Forum we had here and youth, elder, youth and Elders Conversation we had. So, again, it was actually a pretty diverse range of things. Yeah, those were some watching you do those. Um, the benefit of living in the city, I guess, is yeah. uh, doing those kinds of sessions. And I thought that was a really amazing opportunity to be invited into those spaces and to be able to hear you, uh, you know, you and the different people and uh, topics. Uh, I thought was really informative and I quite enjoyed listening to those ones myself. Yeah, they were, um, it, it's a bit of a challenge technically, which kind of is a lot, is a little bit more fun. But uh, I find them really stimulating, and I think getting different people's perspectives is, uh, you know, I mean, that's really what I enjoy about this is, is you know, even the feedback we get through emails and stuff has been really good. Gets You know, you get different perspectives. So that's why I really like doing those live events. They're, they're kind of fun, and, then, you know, you get lots of different ideas and lots of different perspectives, and um, it's just nice to hear from a group of people. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed listening. I think it's, I love the part because it's not scripted. It's pretty spontaneous. You're, you know, you're never not sure what anybody's going to say or how the conversation's going to go. And so there's a lot of variables and it's kind of fun. Well, absolutely. Plus, to be honest, it takes a little, there's a little bit less pressure on, on, on me or, you know, on us to, uh, <laughs> to keep the conversation going. It's, uh, it's very easy to just kind of sit back and listen. And I think that's something that in today's day and age is very, is a skill that not a lot of people, uh, you know, actively work at is uh, listening. So I think it's kind of, uh, it's really good for me to be able to sit back and kind of listen to what people are saying there. Maybe we'll, maybe, maybe we'll get a chance to plan another one this year where we can both be at it. I don't know. Maybe it'll be up in Edmonton or something. (laughs) Maybe. Hint, hint to anybody listening. If you want to plan a live event and you want to let us know and want us there, Hey, we're, we'd be happy to go. Um, yeah, that's our jam. Absolutely. I think it'd be really cool to be able to do that. Or even to just do a live events where, uh, you know, maybe there's only, you know, two or three other people up there, but just to, just to have that live crowd feedback is, is really, really cool. I think. So mm-hmm. again, really agree. hint, hint, anybody listening? Um, so actually from there, let's cover some of this shit that we talked about this year. Um, I don't know. You want to just start right from the start of the year and work towards the end? Is that uh sure let's start at the beginning. All right, man. So our first episode of, of twenty eighteen was uh about Senator Lynn Bayak. And I don't know if you remember her. She's the one that said that, you know, not you know, not just bad things happened at residential schools. There was some good things that happened as well. So that was an interesting episode. <laughs> there had to be some good things. Had to be. Just had to be. Absolutely. Yeah. So we started off the year with a racist senator, um, and then we actually I, the other two episodes that I really enjoyed doing um, was we actually asked for feedback um, near the end of 2017 about some of the barriers that Métis people face when it comes to our education system, like post secondary and even elementary. And so we did two episodes where we talked a little bit about elementary with my daughter, and then we talked uh, about some of the barriers that people face when they enter university and stuff. And we got a lot of feedback from a lot of people, which we, I really appreciated. Um, but those were probably two episodes that I'm really proud of this year, because I think it's very important for me to talk about some of the barriers they face, um, which could be the same as, or different than first Nations. So I think it was really a cool, cool episodes to do. I really appreciated the feedback. Everybody took time. Um, to let us know and tell us their story. Uh, a lot of people, um, you know, took the time to write us a story about the challenges they face with, with their uh, education. And I uh, really appreciated people's input and participation in that. That was quite meaningful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think obviously one of the things I like doing about, or about this show and, and doing those shows was that we got some really good feedback from people. Um, and we, we just got kind of flooded with emails, which was kind of cool. 
because uh, a lot of times you don't get too much feedback with these uh, podcasts, so it's kind of hard to know, geez, did people like the show? Did they not like it? I don't know. So um, I know there's a few loyal listeners out there that do send me feedback quite a bit, um, and I do appreciate that. But it was nice to see coming from, you know, a, a very diverse range of people, different age ranges and all that kind of stuff. So was, those are really cool episodes. And then we uh, <laughs> we actually spent quite a bit of time this year on budgets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the budgets. Between the federal budget, the Métis National Council budget, the Métis Nation of Alberta budget, the Métis Nation of Saskatchewan budget... And I think we even covered did an episode where we covered kind of all of the cartel organizations' budgets, and we kind of compared the different categories that they had. So we yeah. spent a lot of time on that. <laughs> well, because I think it's for me, one that never seems to amaze, but I think there's so many, like you said, Leo, how many budgets did we cover? It, the amount of money that is flowing around these days is a little bit staggering. And so to be able to take the time to talk about that, I think was really meaningful. At least it was for me. Absolutely. And, and I, I like doing those episodes, not because I really like the math. I mean, yeah, I, what I like doing them for though, is, is just to highlight some of the, um, I guess more idiotic things in those budgets or things that I think are idiotic. Um, and like you said, there's a lot of money flowing around. And nobody really knows where it's going. And I think it's important to to start getting people to start thinking. Even if it's not the cartel organization, if it's a different organization, just going, hey, wait a minute, where is all our money being spent? And I think that's uh, those are questions that people should ask of any organization they're part of. Yeah, that's the point of having uh, membership in an organization is the ability to participate in those conversations. You know, and because the uh, current administration doesn't uh, have their own internal, you know, um, transparency or internal dispersion of information, you know, then we kind of picked it up for them this year and helped them out in uh, informing people of where their money was going. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that's what we're all about, public service, right? We're, that, we're here to help. Them. Absolutely, man. It's just, you know, that's the service we provide. And and we're happy to do it. We do it with a smile, a service with a smile. Or a face palm. Just depends on the amount of zeros. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Um <laughs> yeah. I think one of my favorite budget uh topics this year with all the budgets was was always the uh travel oh, uh, yeah. category. Oh yes. Let's reminisce about the uh eight thousand plus per day, every day of the week uh, travel budgets these places have. Oh. It, it never ceases to amaze. Um, looking back over the the budgets and and some of the numbers that that were thrown around, it just you know the amount of finances that have come to the Métis Nation, as it were, um, <laughs> that just goes Lord knows where, <laughs> and and no one seems to bat an eye. Absolutely, man. Just, well, just think about today. Think about like just Christmas Day. They they spent eighty eight hundred dollars today on travel. <laughs> like, yep. like Merry Christmas to all the Métis people in those organizations. We just spent almost ten grand today. Awesome. On travel and accommodations. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah, and a happy new year. I mean, it's going to get more, it's going to even get bigger in the new year because I think they're getting more funding, so we can only look forward to that. Yeah. Maybe but I think it's important. We did, we spend a lot of time on it, um, we, you know, but I think it was critical in going over it because it is impactful and that so much money is going to the top of these organizations and it will be interesting to see in the upcoming months. Um, as money actually starts to hit bank accounts, how much actually makes it into the hands of the Métis people? Well, exactly. And I think one of the things that's key for me when we talk about budgets is this idea that, uh, you know, all these renegade and, and fake Métis from the East are gonna, you know, they're just, they're just looking for benefits and money and all this. But the truth is they, they don't get any government funding right now. Um, and yet these big organizations get a lot of government funding. And so it's kind of like they're complaining about something about for organizations that don't even get a dollar, but yet they get all this money for travel and stuff. So I, 
for me, I think it's important to highlight those those vast differences because it's really easy just to get caught up in that. You know, oh, let's all hate the East because they're trying to suck all the money out of the government. Well, <laughs> they're not getting any, so I don't know. Yeah, it's really was it's really to be that conversation that we've had over the course of the year, which has been interesting to see things transpire and unfold of this idea that somehow Ottawa is not a bakery. <laughs> you yeah. know, that 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 great quote. Absolutely. Um, when all the money only really goes one way and somehow that if there was another organization or organizations that were Métis, they would be A, undeserving of finance or somehow B, that would mean less money for the Métis National Council and its membership. Yeah. You know, I just, I just don't get how that conversation equates. But, you know, I think it's a lot of fear-mongering. <laughs> and let's be real. Somebody should take a bite out of that that money if they're not going to be accountable and transparent with it. Absolutely. I think that's an excellent point. Um, I mean, if they're spending basically almost $10,000 a day just at the Métis National Council level, just on travel, well, maybe they could cut their travel budget by five grand a day and then the extra money could go to an Eastern Métis organization or one of these other Métis organizations that really needs the money. I mean, maybe. One could only hope. Well, But I think it was important, and I know we spent probably a lot of time on it this year, but there was so much happening, I think, um, in in the Trudeau government and its relationship with Métis people. We saw so many, uh, so much money, so much budget material come down. It almost was hard to keep up, quite honestly, on all the line items and travel expenses. And, you know, I'm not no great accountant or math wizard, so it uh, really was, you know, a busy, busy year for us that way. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm going back to the federal budget. I mean, we talked extensively on no, numerous episodes about the promises made in a budget and how, you know, they're really not worth the paper they're written on. Um, and I think that was that was probably where we kicked off a lot of this um, budget stuff was just based on that federal first federal budget of 2018 where, I mean, they promised, you know, $500 million for over 10 years for this and the X amount of $100 million for this over 10 years. And, you know, but really when you boil it down and look at the math, it works out to be very little per per year, per organization. So uh, I think it's very good to take a realistic view of those words, of, the, of those budgets, because it's very easy just to be like, here are the words, $500 million for housing. But that's not per year. <laughs> That doesn't even start yet. Nobody's gotten any money for that yet. So I think it's important exactly. to do that. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a good discussion. It plays a big and central part, a role in uh, what goes on in the Métis conversation. Uh, we spent a lot of time on it. We spent a lot of time off air trying to digest what it actually means. <laughs> yeah. um, so it, it you know, did really consume a lot of the conversation this year as so much has happened with uh, the Trudeau government's relation with the Métis people. So it's been, it's been hectic budget wise. That's for sure. Absolutely. And uh, again, it just provides no end of material for us. So I guess good for us. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, yeah, hopefully uh, it made shows that people wanted to listen to and it was informative and, and uh, you know, people found it productive. Well, that's right. And I think if, uh, if you have an organization in there, your financing can't hold up to, external criticism or critiquing, I think you probably have something wrong. So I think that's a another way, good way to look at this is, um, you know, it's not like we're just picking numbers out of a hat. I mean, we're just going by the numbers they provide and going, well, how the hell do you spend that much on that thing? So I think it's good to take an outsider's look on things like that sometimes. For sure. That's um, what we do. Yeah, absolutely. We're on the outside. Um so we had a bunch of elections this year as well in the Métis world. We had the Métis Nation of Alberta elections, which was big for me and you um, mm-hmm. to, a, to a certain extent. We also had the MMF had an election. Well, I, I guess you could call it an election year. Uh, David Chartrand was acclaimed, acclaimed again. So nobody even ran against him. So I don't know if that's really an election. And then you had, um, I think you had MNS. Métis Nation of Saskatchewan had elections. I think they had elections this year, didn't they? I believe so. Yeah, or maybe they just had an AGA. Yeah, I, 
Maybe I'm mixing the I things think up. They, they did get back on their feet and running as an organization. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, I mean, I know we spent uh, quite a few shows on the Métis Nation of Alberta elections just because we're here in Alberta and it was very much a hot topic locally. Um, we, you know, like I said before, we did a candidates forum. We did a youth and elders forum. I had a guy named Rod Stag on to talk about where he wanted to see the Métis Nation going after the elections. Um, and lo and behold, we ended up with the same president, and and at least in Region 3, not much has changed. There's a whole lot of doing nothing going on here. So, way to go, elections. Yeah, I don't think for all the time we spent talking to uh, individuals and some of the feedback and everything else, at the end of the day, it pretty much ended up status quo. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I know here in Region 3, I haven't really seen anything at all happening. Uh, I know the local uh, is trying to get some stuff started up. They have some new leadership on the local level, but that's totally separate from, you know, the MNA elections. Um, I was disappointed with how Region 3 turned out. I was hoping for another candidate. Obviously, I can't vote. But some of the things that I thought were interesting about this, uh, just speaking to the MNA elections here in Alberta, um, I had a lot of people tell me that, uh, you know, before and after that they hadn't renewed their cards, so they weren't even eligible to vote. So out of those 33,000 members, there was thousands and thousands of people that weren't even eligible to vote because they didn't renew their card and get the newest version of the card. Um, and then you only had a voter turnout of 10% anyway. So, uh... Those were probably my highlights of the whole thing. Yeah, and hopefully, um, you know, it's one of the things we talked about, you know, at the end of the year is, you know, we look started off the year talking about, you know, a lot of the disenfranchised uh, Métis people, even within the um, our organization, the MNA, how many people are uh, disenfranchised and, you know, let their cars lapse and their membership lapse and, you know, using the MNAs, vernacular their citizenship you know laps <laughs> um yeah really you know it set up i think a lot of the the movement of of how our show wound out at the end of the year and is really going to you know looking into the future take shape in 2019 is with this whole conversation of uh disenfranchised metis people um disillusioned with the lack of progress the lack of change Absolutely. And I think, you know, when we look at these topics, like, you know, we, we tend, cause we only have an, we usually do an hour long show and, and it tends to be almost siloed, um, topic to topic. But really when you look at the budgets and you look at these elections and you look at what's kind of happening now at the end of the year, moving into 2019, like a, a lot of this stuff just kind of points, um, you know, to a certain direction and it kind of highlights a, a huge issue amongst all of these organizations. And, it really boils down to, I think, what we talked about on probably more, I'm going to guess and say half the, the episodes, which was accountability, transparency, and engagement. And I think on all of those, if you were to you know do a report card on these organizations, I think they'd fail on every single one of those. Well, and I think so. And I think it's led to this, this, this you know dissatisfaction with the way things are going. And I think it is interesting. You know, we, like you said, we silo a lot of conversations We've only got an hour to talk about, you know, very specific topics that are usually relevant to the week that they happen in. Um, yeah. And so, you know, everything's capsulized inside of that time frame. And, you know, it's only at the end of the year here where you get a bit of a break over the holiday season to really sit back and review, you know, even for us, our own episodes, what conversations we had, the topics that we've covered um, to see really um, where things may have the opportunity to go in the future to keep the conversation going. And I think, you know, it is a nice time to review and go back and think, Hey, wow, did that ever, you know, we see some key things like the budgets, like the elections really pointing to what happened at the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I enjoy doing these year ends for that same reason of, of just being able to kind of look back and go and review and be like, Oh yeah, I remember talking about that. And, you know, like that racist senator, I think, was a good example of something that I totally forgot we even talked about. Um, and when I looked at it, I was like, oh, wow. 
<laughs> well, and then, or a lot of times I think, did we talk about that in 2018 or last year in 2017? And so it was kind of nice going back through the episodes and just having a look at them. Um, I'm gonna, I guess let's do a couple of things in, as a real quick shot here. Um, some of the, I guess we didn't spend too many episodes on these things, but we did talk about them on a few episodes. Uh, was uh, first off the MMF Métis, Manitoba Métis Federation lost eighty-seven million dollars worth of fed or uh, provincial funding, um, <laughs> and that was uh, that was a couple episodes we talked about that one on, which was I thought was fun. Yeah, well, and it's not. It was. It's kind of weird funding too, what they were getting set up for, and then all their deals that they they seem to be going sideways. You know. You know, things don't look to be going too smoothly in the heartland of uh, the Métis, you know, blue blob map. Well, exactly. And, I, you know, it, uh, they they signed these agreements with a 30-day get-out clause by any of the parties who signed on, which included the provincial government. And then they get mad because the provincial government gave them 30 days notice to cancel them. So, I don't know. That, that seems pretty silly to me. Uh, and then they tried to get an injunction on one of them, and they lost that pretty handily. So it's they're very desperate, obviously, for this funding. And uh, the thing I that I dislike the most about it is it it really tied the hands of future generations because both the the funding thing, uh, programs that they lost were tied to basically take your money, shut up, and leave us alone for the next fifty years or twenty years. And I just think that is not how you should be accepting funding. Well, and that's the thing is I, I don't even really like to call it funding because it's not it's not like a government program where the government was sponsoring, you know, housing, education, um, any kind of a program or services. It simply was a resource deal between the government and the Manitoba Métis. And yep. so it, it it's not funding in the conventional sense. It really is just a flat check payout. Yeah. of of consent. And so they negotiated their consent based on a like you said a 20 and 50 year time frame. That's, you know, substantial. It's it's very, you know, onerous and had a lot of longevity to it in committing, you know, future generations to um, you know, an open-ended deal with a fixed financial commitment. And then they complained and they and then they term it in words like funding. Oh, they cut our funding. No, you didn't get your resource extraction check. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. that's a different, different thing. You know, they, they now reneged on your duty to consult payout fund. And <laughs> to me, it has a very different feel, you know, there, we, cause we often, you know, when the government comes to, you know, indigenous people, many people, and, and we talk about funding, it's usually for programs and services that, these organizations are trying to provide. And that's, that is nothing about what these deals were about. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, again, with, <laughs> there's no accountability. Like what was that money being used for? Um, they had already received, I think $4 million out of the one program. So where did that money go? What was it used for? Was it used for programs? Was it used for David Chartrand and all the office staff to get new cars? Uh, like what was it used for? Well, I don't know. Nobody knows. And so, again, we go back to this, you know, accountability, transparency, engagement. Um, but I think, you know, there was, a, there was an ongoing theme throughout this year uh, with the cartel organizations for sure, which uh, was resources. And I think, you know, on these two deals, they lost a bunch of money because the, the government pulled out of resource deals, as you just said. Um, but they also through their support behind the, you know, that pipeline, like wholeheartedly supported that pipeline. Um, and, you know, said things like, you know, Justin Trudeau has done more as a prime minister for, you know, Métis people than any prime minister ever in Canadian history. And he's the, we've been, he's the answer to our prayers. I've been praying every night for 30 years. And finally we have Justin Trudeau and, just ridiculous things like that, which provided a lot of comedy for us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, how could that not be a great conversation? <laughs> you know, <clears throat> you, when, 
And, you know, how does that set up your relationship with the working government when you're basically telling the prime minister to his face that we have asked Jesus himself for someone like you to save the Métis people? Like, hi, hi, hi. I mean, talk about, is that like the Métis version of giving somebody a headdress or a blanket or like what? I, I guess don't know. so. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of worried that if they seen him, like, you know, walking out on Redoux Canal, they'd think, oh, my God, he's walking on water. He really is Jesus. Jesus Trudeau. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it was a big deal for resources because that was part of the whole blue blob map, too, was, um, as we pointed out, I think, either in the last episode. Yeah, I think it was the last one where... Um, you had so eloquently pointed out that the map was really part of a land and resource um, agenda rather than Métis rights agenda, which they used to be fighting. Yeah, it's not about sovereignty or anything like that. It boils down to, yeah, and like land resources. And I think that's interesting, that, that, that theme, right? Like we see the Manitoba Métis Federation working with uh, the government of, of Manitoba and really, what are they working on deals about? About resource extraction, resource deals, yep. and the financial windfall that comes from making those deals. Absolutely. And, you know, so you look back at that episode and you think, wow, there's that a little bit of foreshadowing there that they've already been working behind closed doors to sign those deals. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting when we have guys saying, uh, you know, all these things about Justin Trudeau and how amazing he is. But yet when they get on a plane with a grand chief out of Manitoba, out of their home province, uh, they simply tell him, hey, you guys don't own the land, so yeah, we're going to support pipelines. And the really weird thing about that was they talked about all these great jobs that are going to be had for the Métis people when it comes to these pipelines and resources and energy deals, and yet they could only point to one actual job, like for one person. That they've ever gotten out of a pipeline deal. So I, I, unless I totally misread that back in the day, but uh, as far as I know, they have one guy employed to be, uh, you know, emergency response on a pipeline. So it's it's just weird statements like that. Well, but we saw that that statement was really a foreshadowing to the interview that the Métis National Council president just gave on APTN leading up to the holidays where where they released the blue blob map and, you know, people were all aghast at it and especially down in your neck of the woods there, Darcy. And, uh, you know, he, he was basically, you can look it up on AP 10, but said, well, you know, what, how many of these first nations get offended? You know, how many people get offended when, you know, first nations maps overlap Métis territory? Yeah. As though Métis territory somehow existed before any of these first nations. Yeah. Um, or a First Nations community was laying claim to this Métis territory, you know, and uh, that narrative, you know, the, from a, a odd comment on a plane to a chief, it gets now blown right out into a full mandate agenda. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's little things like that. You look back over the year, you know, you see the real foreshadowing in, in what they've been working on all year long. Absolutely. And I do think that is a great thing about doing this show because it does kind of remind you like, holy crap, you know, they started saying and, and these kinds of things back in February, but only in November did they actually sign these deals or, you know, come up with a so-called final answer kind of thing. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You can see going back and you look at things, you can see how they were stepping towards this blue blob map and everything that went along with it um, basically the whole year. Gotta love those lawyers. They're strategic, long-visioned, that's for sure. Well, and they do spend a lot of money on uh, professional fees in those budgets, so good for you lawyers. Yeah, that's right. Think how smart we would be if we could afford a think tank like theirs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. if we could have, uh, what, a million to two million dollars worth of legal services at our beck and call every year, boy, we'd be mm. doing pretty good. No kidding. Um. So yeah, it was uh, it, it's interesting, and then you know you look at um, some of the things that they were doing. They're really trying to push their their governance structure and saying that they're going to have constitutions and they want to have senates and things like that. Very colonial government structures. We talked a lot about that um, and how well, it was my one of my favorite buzzwords of the year. I think yeah, Con constitution, <laughs> the Métis constitution. Well, and we raised some, I think we raised some very valid points about them. I mean, 
I remember talking about uh, at one point in time they were talking about constitutions, and we were, you know, I remember being on the show saying, you know, who's going to have whose constitution is the constitution? Is it the MNC's constitution that rules over everyone? Because every province wants to have their own, and so on and so forth. So some very good, uh, like just ridiculous, pointing out the ridiculousness, I guess, of of saying we're a, we're our own nation with our own citizens and our own constitutions. Yeah, but are you really? <laughs> <laughs> On no land, yeah. Yes, you yeah. are. Yeah, and an Alberta court found that the Métis Nation is actually not a government. So when, right. that was pointed out this year. Yep, so. and you can call yourself whatever you want, but it's really just a membership card. <laughs> exactly. You can use the word citizenship. You can use the word nation. It doesn't make you either. <laughs> yep. You're still a citizen of Canada. Welcome. <laughs> you only got one passport. Absolutely. So that was that actually was one of my favorite buzzwords that uh, came up quite a bit. Um, you know, in the year was the whole conversation around what is a constitution and how do you have one and you know who, who yeah. a constitution. Well, and I, I think it really highlights the the overbearing colonial attitude a lot of these cartel organizations have. I mean, you look at the way that they uh, interact with First Nations. It's very colonial. You don't own the land. We can do whatever we want on this land. It's our land too. So we get, to, there's no need to work together. It's our land too. So we get to do whatever we want. Um, but is, there's also then their governance structure. Very colonial, um, very not democratic, but it's a very colonial styled government. And uh, they really, really want to get to basically the same setup as the Canadian government, only without the even as good a democracy as what Canada has, which is pretty sad. Yeah, they don't want to actually have, you know, a, a two-party or a multi-party system. They really want an oligarchy as a government, which is something I'm sure all Métis people envision when they think democracy. Um, and it was very funny. So that whole conversation, though, of, of sovereignty in the colonial context of you know, looking at uh, very heavily relying on the verbiage of, you know, citizenship and constitution, how that all really was rolled out at the end of the year here in November, leading up to the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I, so I think, I mean, I know we spent a lot of time um, talking about, uh, you know, govern, governance structure and stuff. And I think even in 2017, we spent quite a bit of episodes on it, but I think it's an important issue because I think, you know, on a, as an example, I know here in Alberta that they have lots of people have been aching to get their Judiciary Council put back in place. They voted on it at the AGA, um, like, however, four months ago now, five months ago now. Uh, still not in place. Everybody agreed it should be put back in place. It's still not there. And you have people screaming at, the, you know, the president to do it. But the the real the reality is is in their bylaws. If you go read their bylaws, which are available online, you can see that it's the regional presidents that really do that. They they're the ones that nominate somebody for that position and put them in that position. So the the, the truth is is I think these governance structures are very important to talk about because people need to understand. They need to educate themselves. If you're going to be part of these organizations. Go educate yourself on what their bylaws are. What does this organization even really mean? Just because it says Métis in the title or Métis Nation doesn't mean that it really suits your purposes and that it really matches up with you. And I think that's something right at the end of the year here that we keep telling people is look for organizations that better suit what you want out of an organization um, because you do have choice. And the governments have, have kind of openly said there can be more than one. And as we talked about in the last couple episodes of the year here so far is even the Métis National Council has said there can be more than one. So th there's choices out there, and I think that's really important for people. That's right, and I think that that's what, what uh, over the last year we've seen happen as we've, we've talked about this conversation. We've talked about where, where all the money was going. We've talked about the Constitution and the word citizenship and then we've seen it all culminate in the you know this lead up to the holidays about 
you know, uh, what makes the Métis Nation a nation. And we, we, you know, gone on under one of my favorite topics of the year was trademarking uh, Métis symbols and language. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, it all rolled and balled up into that whole nationalistic conversation of this is our territory. It's our territory because it's our flag. It's our nation. We defended it. It is, you know, this is what makes us a nation. It's our cart. It's our sash. It's our jig. It's our map. It's our, you know, flag. <laughs> it's our, you know, and it, it, it really was the entire distillation of the last year kind of all shot out in this week long, you know, monologue that they gave on uh, different venues, including APTN. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the worst part I think of all that was APTN just buying that stuff up. Like just, I mean, they ate that stuff up. It, it was just nonstop on there with, you know, so-called academics that are experts, even though they're not even Métis, um, you know, shit like that. It's, APTN just gobbled that stuff up and regurgitated it. And, and uh, I mean, that's the best free publicity that the cartel could possibly imagine. Yeah, but it's it's things that we, you know, kind of foreshadowed in our show the whole year long when we talked about constitution, when we talked about identity, when we talk about all of these things, right? You know, and our whole ongoing theme is, is, is Métis being a diverse people, not a homogenized, there's no pan-Métis identity. And, you know, the great kudos is at the end of the day, you know, we roll out of 2018 and into 2019. Finally, uh, the Métis National Council agrees with us. Um, yeah. And, and agrees with the Daniels case. It only took two years of our show to get them there. But, uh, yeah, you know, I feel it was worth it in the end. Absolutely. For the Métis National Council to come really, you know, to, to our point of view that there can be. <laughs> more than one homogenous Métis identity, even though they're personally now going to cling to their homeland, they at least, you know, acknowledge that uh, you and I, Darcy, you know, we got it nailed down. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that was great. That's great feedback from the cartel. So thank you. It's it's nice to know they're listening. Absolutely. They're taking into account what we got to say. You yes. Yeah. Probably was one of those travel trips they were on in Jamaica that they were able to download our podcast. <laughs> and, uh, hey, I never thought of that. Maybe that's what happened. They were in Jamaica and they, there was like, you know, 45 of them and they're all there on, like, you know, all expense paid trips. I mean, um, you know, uh, gatherings. And uh, right. they all sat in a room together and listened to the podcast and then went and made those ideas happen. Maybe that's how it happens. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we're that's how that. we get those. That's how we get those international downloads. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and if they feel free, if they could also email us, it would be really cool. I'd love to get an email from one of the cartel organizations. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Good, bad, or otherwise. One of the questions I always get asked is, uh, you know, aren't you guys afraid that these guys are gonna like come after you or sue you or something? I don't, do you feel ever feel afraid of that, Jay? Well, I think the thing is that we are very critical of the organization. Uh, we're critical of its structure. We're critical of a lot of things. But I, I feel that in a lot of ways, um, we take the high road in we. There's no personal attacks on this show. Yeah. Um, we don't. And you know, if you're the president of any of these organizations, you may not be my favorite person. Um, I may not be fond of how these organizations are run under their watch. But I personally don't know them. I don't know. I don't know if they're a good person or a bad person. That's not my deal. And so I don't think there's an opportunity for them to come after us because I think we've had integrity in our show and integrity in our conversations about these organizations and the people that would run them. So no, I'm not really afraid they're going to come after us other than we give them bad press. Yeah. Well, and certainly we've uh, seen some backlash on some social media and stuff like that, but really you can just kind of ignore that. I mean, I don't have to respond to a tweet. It's not mandatory, so I don't have to. Um, but Most of the bad press we get, though, in all honesty, like over the last two years while doing the show and in the last year, because uh, we have been very critical of the, the budgetary means and then the discussion of verbiage, is really being on this east-west politics identity. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. BS is probably where you and I have faced the most negative feedback. Yeah. Like if we're going to be honest about it. Um, but at the end of the day, 
hey, we're rolling into 2019 with a very different uh, vocabulary and a very different conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think that's a, the great thing about this year is we're ending the year on a positive note. And uh, I think it's, I again, like I said last episode, I'm very excited about what's coming up in 2019. So, um, like you said, it's it's nice that they capitulated to the Daniels decision and decided to finally maybe uh, adhere to that a little bit. But uh, I think the reality is they probably just went, hey, let's focus on uh, how, how we can make more money. <laughs> That's how I well, feel. Well, it is. And, and I think that the conversation is, you know, we watched over the whole year as the budgets have increased, the conversation has become more widespread. They've introduced new language through the words constitution, with the words nation, with trademarks, with, you know, claiming a flag as their own um you know this is you can really see as we look back at our whole season uh this year how this all built up really to the end i think the only big surprise was the fact that they actually did capitulate and acknowledge that the government of canada was right if you can believe that again the government of canada was right (laughs) in acknowledging metis people are from everywhere, even in territories the Métis Nation doesn't like, like Nova Scotia. Absolutely. So uh, that's a fact. That's what this whole wrap-up is, is beautiful in that we can finally move on into 2019 talking about something other than identity politics. Absolutely. And that's what I'm most excited about because, to be honest, it gets really tiresome. And when when I go to events... I don't ever have that conversation at an event other than if it is brought up, every single person there is tired of hearing about it. And that's with Métis Nation of Alberta members. That's with Métis Nation of Saskatchewan members, Métis Nation of BC members that I've talked to. Um, everybody's tired of it. Everybody just wants it to go away. Just just stop with that. Which kind of leads into those academics that are going to start hopefully really dying out of the out of the publicity of all of this identity battle just because it's not going to be needed anymore you know well and and that's it i think the only conversation that's you're going to hear now moving forward of how there's only one metis nation and the the metis nation makes metis people that's the conversation they're going to have and that's going to be kind of a you know vacuous one-sided deal but whether it's very hard to argue whether there's other mixed blood Métis people when they already have pally rights, when they're already recognized by levels of government as valid. Yeah. So I think there's going to be this nationalistic Métis conversation moving forward, Yes. but it's not going to focus so much, I think, uh, moving forward about, you know, who's authentically, you know, entitled to be called Métis. It's going to be who's authentically entitled to be called Métis Nation. And so, like you said, it puts to bed a lot of this, you know, East versus West and who has rights and who's authentic and who isn't and who's in and who's out. And that can all kind of, uh, you know, go like a uh, bad slick on the water and can go down river now. And we can get on to, I think, a lot of really good positive conversations that I'm really excited about looking into 2019. For sure. And I I think... Um, I, I, you know, there, I know there's some researchers, we know one, um, shout out to Seb Millette, uh, that I think this is good news for. I think, um, I'm hoping that we will see less, uh, opposition to his research, which really any opposition to anybody's research is based out of fear. So the truth is, is, you know, they can jump up and down and scream as much as they want about his research. The truth is, is they're afraid of his research because it'll prove them wrong. Um, so, and we even did an episode about, um, academic papers and this whole quote unquote peer review process that some of them go through by handing the paper off to their buddy. Um, and so I, I think a lot of this just kind of dwindles out, but it does lead into that nationalistic conversation, as you said. So we'll see how that goes in the new year. That's a, at least it's new. <laughs> it, it'll be, it's a little bit different conversation. I think I'm looking forward to. I think having a freer dialogue, being able to hopefully, hey, we can have Seb back on the show if you're listening uh, in the upcoming year. He's already released a new website, which I find really exciting. Yes. I haven't yet had a chance to really dig into the meat and potatoes of it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. And I know they've got uh, 
so many other exciting projects coming out in uh, 2019. And I think, you know, bolstering and really putting forward the whole conversation of there's a strong, vibrant Eastern Métis community. And I'm looking to, you know, hopefully be a part of showing, showcasing that over the next year, you know, through our podcast and through our YouTube channel that we can give rise to a much more positive uh, conversation. Absolutely. And that's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess coming to a close on the end of the year wrap up, I kind of wanted to go through just some bullet points of some of the, I guess, things I think Métis organizations failed at and some of the things that I think were good for in the Métis world. Um, but let, we're going to start with the bad stuff so that we can end on a good note. And uh, <laughs> um, so I, there's a few things on the on the on the naughty list, I guess we'll go with that. There's the, the good and the bad list. Um, for, first thing on the bad list for me was, uh, using membership cards or Métis organization membership cards as uh, quote unquote status cards to try to get tax breaks or some sort of benefit out of them. Um, that drives me crazy. I know it drives almost every res- respectable Eastern Métis crazy because it makes everybody look bad. Um, so that's on the bad list. It's naughty. Don't do it. Fakers and frauds were coming for you. Absolutely. Um, uh, lack of respect. So, uh, the next thing up was lack of respect for first nations and their territories, which we talked about with, uh, David Chartrand telling a uh, grand chief, you know, you don't own the land. Um, this came up with the whole blue Bob map, uh, blue blob map that, uh, you know, they're just kind of circling over top of territories that they're not really working with those first nations on those territories. So, I think that's a huge veil for the cartel specifically. Absolutely. Big F in the fail mark. Absolutely. Um, and again, I, I, I just have, it's in the bad list because it can't put it anywhere else. This whole Justin Trudeau's the answer to our prayers stuff. Just, it's great comedy guys, but really, I mean, come on. But, uh, so it's on the naughty I- list. It has to be. I don't know another indigenous group out there who's going <laughs> off the Trudeau. That guy's so awesome. Right? Like, I just, oh, man. You can't be more far apart from the rest of your family when you think he's the answer to your prayers and everybody else is trying to run for the door when he enters. So. Yep. <laughs> um, and then I think, um, you know, that blue blob map, as I said, for, for you know, just the fact that it's, on the naughty list because of how it's, they're going to treat the First Nations that whose territories those are. Um, and then the last one was trademarking culture, as you just mentioned a little bit earlier. Those were uh, That was my naughty list. I don't know. Did, did you think I missed anything, Jake, that you can think of? Yeah, I think those are the big ones. If coal wasn't so expensive, we'd probably mail him a bucket. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so now the good list was a little bit smaller, unfortunately. But hopefully in 2019, it'll be bigger. Uh, so the first thing up that I, I actually forgot about when, until I went through the episodes was uh, the British Columbia has decided to transition control over children in care, in foster mm-hmm. care and things, to the Métis Nation of BC, which, setting aside my indifference with the organization, uh, anytime that Métis people can manage Métis people, I think is, and children, and deal with our own needs, I think is a good thing. So that's why I put it on the good list. Um, yeah, and like I said, we're not fun. We're not huge proponents of any uh, of the, the cartel organizations, but I did think, like you said, it was one of those things that kind of flew under the radar, uh, given so many of the events that went on, that I still think is important to highlight and something to definitely keep an eye on in 2019 to see exactly how well, um, you know, there should be a, a high expectation that the Métis organization can live up to the expectations, I guess. Um placed on them. So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing the report card in 2019. Yes. And as a cautionary word to the Métis Nation of BC, don't do what the Métis, Manitoba Métis Federation did and um, get involved with these organizations that are abusing kids because uh, that just opens yourself up for lawsuits. So let's make sure those Métis kids don't get abused and, and or, suic- or end up suicidal and things like that. So let's take care of our people uh, much better than what the government can do. Please, please do that. Um, next up on the good list was Métis in Alberta can now access the national parks for free. What a win. 
I this is just a massive, such a massive victory, AJ. Hey, that was amazing. I have to tell you, as a non MA member in Alberta, and and pretty much as all Metis people will attest, being Metis is not exactly a lucrative windfall. Yes. Of uh, you know, in a in a land that is ours, in a place we call home to which we are indigenous, there are not exactly a lot of perks. <laughs> coming our way so to be able to get into the park was amazing i personally was able to get into the new museum the alberta royal museum in edmonton simply because i was 18 that was i have to tell you quite gratifying yeah you know actually it is every time i go to the glenbow museum here in alberta in alberta in calgary uh it's very much the same i get in for free so it is very satisfying um, not exactly, you know, for an organization that gets $10 million a year or more or, and more, um, it's really not, I don't know if that's really a huge massive victory that we get, you know, free park access considering one of the national parks was built on Métis land, but, um, I guess it's a win and that's why it's on the, in the, in the, in the good column. So good job there from province of Alberta. And uh, I guess some national parks. So I guess that's the Canadian government. But um, the other thing... Well, I got into the museum and that was provincial, so... Oh, there you go. Both levels of government, two thumbs way up for giving Métis people respect. Absolutely. And then the last thing I had on here was actually the Blue Blob map. And so it was on the naughty and the good list because it was on the naughty list for the way they're going to treat First Nations, but it's on the ba- on the good list... Because it is the end of the identity war. So, woohoo, there's a victory. Absolutely. Best way to end the year, hey? That's Christmas right. present. Absolutely. And as a uh, as one last little treat, I got a um, email, and uh, I've been saving this up for two days because it's just so awesome. So we ask for feedback, and we have a website. If you want to go to our website, it's metipodcast at, uh, ca. I'm so used to saying it at gmail.com, metispodcast.ca. So check that out. And actually, to give a little plug, we do have a survey on there, so you can provide us some feedback of what you want, what you like about the show, what you don't like, what you want to see more of or less of. Um, so please do go there and fill it out. Again, metispodcast.ca. And <laughs> somebody took the time to go there, and I think you're going to really love this one, Jason. So this this is my pre- Christmas present for you, buddy. I'm going to read this word for word. Okay, because I haven't even heard this yet. Just so for all the listeners out there, I'm flying blind. Absolutely. I've been saving this up because it's that good. So, we and we didn't do an episode uh, about this topic. So, but maybe in 2019 we should. Good afternoon, the jig is up. There isn't a topic today more controversial, divisive, and ridiculed than the flat earth theory. (laughs) According to an April 2018 Forbes magazine article, only two-thirds of American millennials believe the Earth is round. Wow. Um, I've written a newly published book, (laughs) Morningstar's Tale. The other third may find of interest. An e-book or printed copy is available in places. I'm not even going to promote it. Recently, um, Morningstar revealed the mysteries of his Luciferian kingdom, including the cosmology of the multiverse and flat earth. Uh, driven by pride, the light bearer turns over every stone. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I just, I, I, I didn't even know what else to say with that. So there's your gift, man. Somebody, did somebody actually like, like somebody wrote that out? Somebody went to our website and actually filled out the feedback form because we have two two things. We have a survey going where people can provide feedback. So please do go do there and go there and do that. But we also have just a general feedback form so you can like, you know, hey, great, I love the show, whatever, I hate the show. And it and I actually get an email when somebody does that. And that's what this person did is they went to our website and took the time out of their day to go there and type all that out. So yeah, uh, you know, maybe we should bat around the idea of a, uh, you know, if we have want to do like a five minute episode, we can bat around the idea of doing a flat Earth episode. <laughs> I don't. I didn't think we were that crazy. <laughs> like, are we that out to lunch that someone thought this was a safe place to say the Earth is flat? <laughs> These dudes care. 
Well, the worst. Like, they see our photo and go, those are flat earthers. <laughs> you know, Is the... it the beards? What? I, I, I don't know, man. I, I actually had to read it like three times. I'm like, really? This, what did, how did this get to me? And uh, yeah, I had to trace it right back to our website. I hadn't even go to the, I went to the website and looked at the, the behind the scenes part of the website that, uh, just to make sure that this is actually a real comment that somebody left us. And it really truly is. They even left their name and everything. It's just amazing. Um, so yeah, uh, no, we won't be doing a flat earth uh, episode. No, we won't. I think be. that would, hey, now people stay tuned. We may do an April fools on that one. <laughs> oh my God. Like just because I'm not sure I could keep my, from laughing for a whole hour. Well, um, I don't know. I think we maybe could... we can get this guy on for an interview. Oh, and he can tell us all this conspiracy business about NASA and the Earth flat and how cats should have knocked us all off the edge. <laughs> you saw that meme too on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. No, I uh, yeah, I don't even know. When it comes to this flat Earth stuff, I just shake my head and think that our education system has completely failed. But. <laughs> So that's the that was the most recent feedback we got uh, from some stranger. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I thought you'd enjoy that a whole lot. Um, but oh, that's amazing. It is, isn't it? Um, but again, I want to encourage everybody to head to our website, fill out the survey um, that's on our website, uh, Um because we we do want to know what you guys want to hear or what you want to hear more of or less of. Uh, well, right now, I think the results are sitting that people want to hear more elder stories, um, things like that. Uh, so, but please go there. The more people that respond, the better gauge we can get of of what people want to hear. And I, to our Quebec and Eastern Province listeners, um, and maybe even our Northern Province listeners, I would like to encourage you guys to share the podcast, get your friends and family listening if you can. Uh, but certainly, if there's topics that you want to cover in your local area that you want to hear on the show and hear us talk about or or be on the show and, and or you know somebody that should be on the show talking about these things, you can send us an email at metispodcast at gmail.com. You can head to our website and, and clearly fill out the feedback form and uh, send us any kind of comment you want, crazy or not. And uh, yeah, I think that's really all I want to do is just encourage people to uh, to let us know what you guys want to hear more of in the new year. Um, and or how we're, you know, either living up or not living up to your expectations. Um, but I do think we're heading into the new year with, uh, you know, a really great attitude, really great uh, things going on in the Métis world. And I don't know, I'm very optimistic. Me too. And I think, uh, you know, if people are listening, the, like you said, the more they can share it, uh, the more we can engage. I think if there's something going on in your community, if you have an event, if you have a gathering, if you're getting together with five friends and, you know, hit us up, let us know. We would love to be able to promote it, give it airtime to let people know there are other Métis people across Canada getting together on a regular basis. And wherever that is, we'd like to make that uh, a more prominent showcase going into 2019. We want to know where you are, what you're doing and how we can help promote. Absolutely. And I think if there's uh, communities like we see uh, are starting to see in Northern Alberta, like Fort Mackay and even Fort McMurray, where they're buying their own land and stuff. I think it's really important that uh, other communities see that. And if they're taking initiatives to, to do something locally, to help support their own community, we'd love to promote, promote that, talk to you about it and, and just find out more about it. Um, part of the show is, you know, I've always said is, is about getting Métis people on that are doing interesting things that you, that no one else is hearing about because APTN doesn't cover it. Nobody else covers it. And so if you got a, a unique business or, you know, a business where your Métis culture or Métis pride really is prevalent, um, and you want us to, you and you're willing to come on the show and talk about it, let us know, send us an email and, and let us know. Or if you know somebody who you think would be good on the show, send us that info and we'll, we'll contact them and see if they want to be on the show. Cause, um, you know, Jason, and I've been talking about what we want to do for 2019. And I think, um, you know, it was kind of your idea, Jason, maybe of having, you know, like kind of a, a theme for the year and, um, which I think we will, 
finalize and put the finishing touches on and uh, let you guys know maybe the next episode, which will be January 1st, I believe. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a really cool year. And I just, if you guys want to give us your feedback, it's it's hugely beneficial to us. So I appreciate that. Any, uh, any final words for the audience, Jay? No, I hope everybody uh, had an excellent uh, holiday season. Uh, so far, um, hopefully you got to spend some time with family, which I think is most important. And uh, hopefully you are as optimistic as we are looking into the next year ahead. Absolutely. I guess uh, for our Christmas Day episode, I want to say, like Jason said, Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy holidays, whatever you're, you feel good about. Uh, I hope everybody had had some made some great memories this year. Uh, I'm looking forward to 2019. And I guess until next year, folks, the jig is up. You are the spark that's starting a fire that will spread across this land. And it will be a fire that doesn't burn, but a fire that cleanses. A fire that ignites in our hearts and creates light. No more.